0: This is Unearthed, a podcast brought to you by the WBRU News Team. And I'm your host, Audrey Kim. Say you're at a party and you want to talk to that cute girl in your sociology class across the room. What do you do? Four male college students at Brown University share if and how the Me Too movement has changed the hookup and dating scene in college.
1: Testing
2: one, two, three, hanger. testing... What's the thing you hang clothes on? Oh, this is good.
3: <laughs> Oh,
0: yeah. <clears throat> All right, guys. Um, do we want to just go around and introduce ourselves really quick? Yeah, cool? no
3: doubt. Awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Audrey. I work for VRU, and I'm going to be talking to these wonderful people. Um, do we want to go around and say who we are?
3: Of course. All right. Hi. <laughs> uh, um What's up, y'all? My name is Royceworth Grant. I'm a freshman here at Brown. I'm studying economics and political science. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's about it with me. Um, well, I think I'll go, I go next. Yeah. Um, so, hi, everyone. My
4: name is Jose. I am originally from Madrid, Spain, and I'm a junior at Brown. Right now, I'm doing international relations and hopefully economics, if I can finish that.
2: Hi, I'm Evan Kindler. I'm from Oak Park, Illinois. Uh, I'm a sophomore here at Brown. I'm studying history and urban studies.
1: Uh, I'm Jackson. I'm a senior, so that means I'm not uh, too long for this world. (laughs) No, no. no. For (laughs) For Brown. Um, But uh, I majored in neuroscience. Um, I do some work at WBRU, uh, which I'm a part of right now. And, um, yeah.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, So, as you know, we're just going to be, like, talking about... Um, kind of just being a guy in the Me Too era and how it affects your views on romance, and I just want to like get a sense of where you guys are coming from. I know you mentioned that you're from Madrid, but mm-hmm. background stuff. Um, so where where are you from?
3: Oh, uh, I'm from Seattle. How about you? Uh, I'm from Maryland, but I went to boarding school in Virginia. So Got it. I, now also, I grew up in New Jersey, so it's a little bit of my fault. You're just mm-hmm.
0: everywhere. Mm-hmm. How about you?
2: And I'm from Oak Park,
3: Illinois.
2: Okay. So, Got you. Nice and Midwest.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're like, going to backtrack all the way mm-hmm. back to childhood, um, oh, elementary okay. uh-huh. school. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. do you guys remember what you first learned about romance and interacting with other people?
2: 100%. In that way. First grade, had a crush on Genevieve Curry. Um, <laughs> I just remember I liked Genevieve Curry in first grade, and I was like, wow, amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was like the same thing for me. I was in kindergarten, and there was this girl named Corianne, like, and she was just, she was cute, man. You know, she, <laughs> was, she was cute. I would tell my mom and she would, like, tease me and whatnot.
0: Do you guys have similar experiences at all?
3: Um,
4: I do not. I mean, I, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So, uh-huh. um, so growing up, my first experience with romance was when I was really, like, when I was a child. And I just, like, I really loved this one girl. But the thing is that, um, I mean, at least in my culture, um, say, like, hookups or even dating was not a thing up until you turn, like, 15, yeah, yeah. 16. I mean, the culture just makes you feel like casual dating is wrong and that you should you should not do it. And then when it came to, like, learning about sexuality in school, we barely learned any. I remember that <laughs> one of our teachers once told us that the best... Um, like, the best way to have sex is not having sex until you get married. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, obviously, by that time, many of my friends and many of us had already, like, had already had sex. And we, like, we knew about it just because we had, we had read about, you know, anticonceptive methods mm-hmm. and stuff. But I felt mm-hmm. that that part was lacking
2: in, in my school.
0: That's a quote. The best way to have sex is to not have sex.
2: That's like the opposite for me. Like, growing up, like, growing up, like, yeah. Uh, in like fifth grade, they were just like, everyone knew in my elementary school fifth grade was the year you have like a sex talk with your teacher and it was like scheduled in like all fifth grade classes (laughs) they split up the guys and the girls and like Mm -hmm. you like sat down and it's like okay say every word you know that means penis (laughs) so it's just like and then we just like went through like this is what sex is this is what like your body is this is what puberty is and then every single year after that through middle school we had health hearing that is such a such a different like conception of like growing up and, like, a way to, like, think about it. And, like, some of even my friends who, like, grew up in America didn't have the same experience as me. Like, yeah. one of my friends yeah. had no sexual education at all. He still hasn't. Like, he learned everything on his own. Because his yeah. parents were, like, super religious. And they are just like, we're not talking about this with you. You know? Like, that's, like, a, just a wild thought. My parents were always just like, like, do you have any questions? Like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, yeah. nope. Talked about it in school. I'm good. But, like, they were there. And they were, like, ready <laughs> to, like, you know, like... Right. speak about it and i'm like my 17th birthday i'm sitting in my room my mom comes in puts a box of condoms down on my dresser and says no means no and walked out of
3: it oh <laughs> my god that's kind of dope yeah
2: <laughs> a, she she stunned on me real hard I think the,
3: the good thing about that is like you, people gotta understand like sex is a part of life man mm-hmm. like it's it's no way that you can like really avoid it or or shun it in a sense that you know of course like maybe your parents might want to say like you should be abstinent and whatnot because of their religious beliefs and all that and that's cool but at the end of the day like it's important that you have to be you know open to educating youth about these different realities because it's their decisions that they're going to make you know a parent can always guide but you know say a a person doesn't want to be abstinent or say you know something comes up you always should want to be able to push uh, that type of education towards mm-hmm. people, regardless of your own use.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of things about, like, how you learn all these things in school, but, like, obviously your social surroundings shape a lot mm-hmm. of what you think about mm-hmm. sex and, like, romance and everything. You see on TV. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> TV, friends, I don't know, like, people who aren't your friends even, like, stuff you hear just, mm-hmm. like, in your classroom that aren't from teachers. Um, so just, like, going to, like, middle school and high school, like, how did... What were those discussions like
1: between friends? Yeah, like mm-hmm. in a friend group. I don't know. I think there was definitely a point in like seventh and eighth grade, maybe, where there was like kind of a one-upsmanship.
2: Um, Hundred uh, like percent. <laughs> oh, I know, like
1: more about sex than you do, or I like, I don't know, felt up this girl, and it was like in seventh very, grade. I I don't know if it was that early, but like it definitely like, and bleeding into like ninth, tenth grade. Yeah. Um it was definitely like a, a like macho thing or like a oh I'm I know about this so I'm I'm cooler than you. Uh and I don't think there was really anything to combat that like no one was really talking about it. So I think there's a couple of ways you can I don't know you either were just like really shy or you like make shit up <coughs> and like try to like play into that. I think it's <laughs> an interesting dynamic yeah. though cuz
2: like in that sense you're glorifying like knowing about sex you're glorifying like Mm -hmm. this education surrounding it but like it's also this sort of like toxic it's like it's toxic masculinity it's like like it's if you're a seventh grader you probably don't know what you're talking about like you know (laughs) and if the only thing that you're hearing about sex is from some other seventh graders like this is what this is
4: And like you know like you're just gonna be confused no it's it's so weird because my experience was so different my group of friends like the guy I don't know, how old are you in 7th grade is it like oh, 11 like 12, oh. 12, 12. 13. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so my so the first guy among my friends who had sex he had, he was like 13 years old when that happened wow. and like we had we had many discussions about it we would like it was not about who knows more who did more it was more about like what it felt like and and like what it was but at the same time we were having these conversations at school where We were told that having a sexual relationship without any feelings attached is like empty. At least that stuck with me. That you and I still like. I still it's very difficult for me to like try to like deal deal with like casual sex because I had that knowing that it was like there were no feelings or what what whatsoever. Just because we were told all the time in school that in order to have a more like personal connection with someone, you would need to like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's what, that's what we did. The thing is that at that time, 13, 14, 15, I think that's very different from what people have here in America. We would start drinking in Spain. We would start drinking at that age, we'd go to parties, and we would make out a lot with a lot of different people. And, like, well, at least that was my experience, you know, like, just like hooking up with, like, more than five yeah. people every week, and that would happen a lot. That's a lot. And, like, and, like my, well, my, my friends would also... Like, it was also among my group of friends, but there was no... Like, it would not go farther from, like, like making out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know what I'm
0: saying. That's interesting. Yes. You just, like, talk about romance and stuff a lot, starting 7th grade, 8th grade, like, mm-hmm. among, like, all-male spaces, and I was wondering, like... <laughs> How did consent, like, play into those discussions, or did it at all?
2: I don't... For me, it didn't really. It was, like... I don't know. It wasn't a, really something we were thinking about, you know? Like, it wasn't right. something that, like...
1: Right.
2: It was, like, this is, like, if you're going to have sex to... It just seemed like an obvious, unspoken thing that, like, obviously this other person is going to want to, too. Like, yeah. like we knew what rape was. Like, we knew what it was, and all of us were, like, that is something awful that we don't want to be right. so like but it wasn't it wasn't like explicit like no one was it was just kind of implied that like of course like you you will have consent but it like there wasn't a discussion around like asking for consent
1: mm-hmm. and i think be- before even talking about consent like that's there's just a general definitely like objectification of women at all, because like you, I don't know. You think about like what are your, your influences at like thirteen, fourteen? And it's yeah. like TV, yeah. friends, music. like, porn, yeah. like music, right? Like, all, and
4: like I, I don't, know, I, I don't know. And there just weren't, weren't any other. No, yeah, in my mar- my environment, it was like macho culture was very present. Mm-hmm. So yes, like women, like women were really objectified, like especially at ages 14, 15. My friends would share a lot of porn. And that porn would usually be like more aggressive and more. It would yeah. be more about domination <clears throat> more than you know, like actual romance or like. I mean, how much porn is that? I mean, how much i that I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> kind of like you know. But that that's that like <laughs> stimulus would not help at all in like learning what consent is or learning what it mm-hmm. meant for the other person or even for ourselves.
2: And if that's the one, like, thing you're, like, seeing what sex is, it gives you an entirely distorted perspective of, like, what to expect. Especially if mm-hmm. no one else is talking to you about sex, mm-hmm. and right. that's your one, mm-hmm. your one channel of understanding is mm-hmm. porn. Like, right. you're gonna have a fucked up notion exactly. of how the world works. Exactly, <laughs> and, like, yes.
0: That also sets up, like, an interesting comparison between what you learned all throughout your life until yeah. this whole, like, Me Too era era started, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is only like in the last couple yeah, of months. months maybe. Yeah, right. like not even a year. And like suddenly this whole entire discussion has like boomed, right? Yes. Yes. And we're in college is historically known for like issues of consent to arise and such mm-hmm. in like the last few years. So how, how did that feel, um just having learned all of this other stuff and then kind of relearning mm-hmm. what you think about romance? Wow.
3: Yeah, I think for me, um, this whole Me Too movement really made me, like, look internally and think about what privileges I have as a man, like, that I didn't even really think about. Um, And it was crazy. It was, like, my first night at Brown. Um, And you know I was a bonnet, right? So, like, I, um, it was my first night, and I had left my toothbrush at the hotel. So I was like, oh crap, I gotta brush my teeth. So I went um, down to Thayer Street, and I went to CVS. Um then I heard like this lady and this guy was arguing and I just like kept listening in and kept listening in and it was getting kind of scary for me. It wasn't like a regular argument between mm-hmm. like a husband or a wife mm-hmm. or something like that. And this guy kept harassing this girl. This guy was like, uh, you know, um why you don't want to hook up with me blah, blah 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 like constantly like following this lady to the car like you look beautiful and all this. And the girl just kept saying, no, no, no. And I was so scared. I didn't know what to do at all. Mm -hmm. I went and I took a seat, you know, again, just to make sure if something crazy goes down, like I could help out. Um, And the girl had, like, drove off in the car like she was unscathed and whatnot. But that, like, really, really shook me because I had never seen cat calling before in my life. Ever? Or I thought that's so. That's what I was saying. That's my point. Or I thought that I've never seen Cat Connor before. Okay. Um, and I started talking to like friends of mine who were women, and I was telling them about this situation. Like, like this is crazy. This happened right on therapy. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, and people like you know Wordsworth. Like, that is a very common thing that happens to like women. Um, and the thing for me is like I absolutely like. Of course I believe that you know like. Um, even before that whole situation, that catcalling is, of course, a problem that uh, is very prevalent when it comes to, like, women and, you know, mm-hmm. being in any big city or whatever that might be. But, like, with that whole Me Too movement and me just reflecting on the privilege that I have just to not even notice that, mm-hmm. it's just so, it's crazy, like, how many times I might be walking down the street and hearing something that's cat calling and then not doing anything or saying it or noticing it. So I think it's just, this Me Too movement is so important because it really allows people to reflect on what they can do to be able to help stop situations before they escalate to something like domestic violence. Or, you know, again, like, even me just acknowledging that that's happening, that's a big step towards creating a world where that doesn't happen. It's, it's like hard
2: to watch. It feels like right now in America, a lot of what's going on is just, like, uncovering all the stuff that's been there the whole time that yeah. people just don't want to face.
3: Yeah, like,
2: it's hard to think of the fact that... all Like, this has been happening the whole time, and now we're starting to care about it. Right. And especially, like, with the NC Sansari story. Like, that story was especially, like... <coughs> it was a situation that I feel like anyone could see themselves in. Like, I'm trying to hook up with this girl. Like, yeah. oh, she said no, okay, I'm gonna back off a little bit. Like, oh, like, maybe try again. Oh, no. And then, obviously, he just kept going. Like, I was talking about it with one of my friends who's a, a woman. And she-, she was like, yeah, you know, like, it happens... And I just think from my like my perspective as someone who's been in situations like that, you can't do that. You cannot pressure this woman. You cannot like do all these other things. And it was just interesting to me that like all these other women that my friend had talked to were were defending this because they had normalized it as right. like something that just, you know, that happens. Whereas like I was like, no, that's fucked up. Like right. that shouldn't be how it happens, you know? Right, like right, right. why are we why are we saying that this is okay in any sense? If we want it to change. We can't just, like, let NZ Sansari off the hook. No, you have to make an example of, like, you cannot do this, you know? like
0: Individually, like, has Me Too changed the way that you interact with women, or, like, in that situation, does it make you think about new things that you haven't before? How about you guys?
4: (laughs) Mm, So the thing, like, the question that came up to me when this whole movement happened, it was that I do feel that there's something wrong about the way um, we conceptualize sex or even romance. Like, I have cases like this happen with people that I have hooked up with. People stop, at one point people feel, or like even from the start, some people feel like they don't need to ask questions anymore. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: And and Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's so necessary. Like, even, even if you know your partner really well, even if you know that they want, I feel like it's still... Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's so sexy, it's so okay to ask. Yeah. And there's nothing even when the Aziz Ansari case came up, I always wonder why did he never ask? Why is it why mm-hmm. is it seen as um like a mood killer to ask people like do you want to do you want to have sex? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And that's just fine, nothing's gonna happen with that. I feel like Do you guys is-
0: agree with this? Like I mean just like <laughs> obtaining consent in general.
2: For me, the way I always ask for consent is like, like we're at in a situation where like it seems like we're gonna have sex, and I say, wait, before we go on, do you consent to sexual relations? And it always gets a laugh, <laughs> always gets a laugh, and it's not a mood killer because it's just like, you know, like yes, no. Yeah. If the answer is no, like okay, I'm glad I know now. Right. And if the answer is yes, like you just laughed at what I said and continue. You know, like
3: right.
2: Yeah. So for me, it's like. I feel like it's really important to, like, figure out a way to make people think that, like, you can use consent in sort of, like, a sexy way. Mm -hmm. Like, you can use it to enhance your experience rather than, like, stop it, Mm -hmm. you know? I
1: feel you. And I think there's a big danger at Brown with just, like, having the mood be like, oh, well, now that Me Too is happening and everyone knows about it, it's fixed. Right. Because as you've seen, like, I don't know, there's someone who's... um, who was set to be the 0.5 graduation speaker? Oh who's been like accused and like I don't I don't know the details of that, but it's, like it happens um, all over campus. And
2: like 2012, Brown yeah. had uh, was tied for highest rate of reported sexual assaults yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, like, so like right. this is something that's happening it's, here. Like it's, it's not serious. like mm-hmm. it's not like oh it's elsewhere. We're like not all these smart people no like
3: mm-hmm. yeah
2: this is a, you think you're smart that's why you think you can get away with this shit you know like <laughs> yeah.
1: I ask, so you said you're in uh, detail
2: yeah do you
1: do any like do you do education mm-hmm. for the front? what's what is that so
2: like? um that is something we've been <laughs> especially now with um like the me too movement that's something we've been really like conscious about um where like especially we just went through like recruiting so like We were bringing people in. One guy we had to not bring in because some of the women who live uh, also in our house were like, that guy has made me uncomfortable on multiple occasions. Here's these different circumstances. Had a conversation with the guy. And, like... You know, like, it was... Mm -hmm. Like, you... I personally didn't have the conversation with the guy. Someone else did. But you could kind of tell that, like, this is not the attitude that we want. Like, this is... And, like... This Saturday is our uh, SAPE training. So we need... I think the school requires 85% attendance at this, where every single fraternity needs to have at least 85% of its members in this training for, I think it's like two or three hours, just sitting down talking about these things, like talking about consent, talking about what you're going to do if you see your brother walking up the stairs with a girl who can't stand up, you know? Stuff like that. Um, And that's something, like, that is really, really, like... Important to me personally, and like, I don't want to be in like with a group of people who do not hold those same values. Yeah. So that's right. something we've made like very clear this year with like the people who are joining. Like, this is what we expect out of you, and if you do not follow that, you're gone, and you're like, in a certain case, you're getting reported to the police because,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: That is, like, we do not want to be associated with any of that. We do not want you in our space like making our like female friends uncomfortable yeah
1: but does that happen in practice like i, I don't know like if i see someone i like kind of know like hooking mm-hmm. up with a girl who seems to be like kind of drunk at a party like i you, you know i've had those thoughts a couple of times mm-hmm. and uh i think there's maybe only been one occasion where i've really step like felt comfortable to step in mm-hmm. uh and i i don't know i haven't have I any of y'all had a similar experience? Or, I've like,
2: do you do? a few times. I've been in a situation like that where I saw something similar to that, where it's making me uncomfortable. And basically, what I did, I just grabbed my friend. We walked over there, like, "Yo, everyone, good? Like, what's going on? Like, just like kind of like checking in, yeah. giving sort of like a giving like an escape. Yeah. Like, if you if you're not feeling good, now you have two guys who so are like, okay, like we're gonna like make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. But that's a situation that's like. How do you stop that? Because yeah. I, I don't want right. to be imposing myself yeah. on this girl yeah. who might be able right. like, mm-hmm. she's able to make her own decision. And I'm, me being like, you're too drunk to do this. Like, yeah. that feels wrong yeah. as well. Yeah. But, like, trying mm-hmm. to sort of step in in a way that gives the woman agency, mm-hmm. but also acknowledges the fact that, like, if you want to leave, like, we're here to help you leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so my thing was that I went to like the Tarana Burke event on campus, which mm-hmm. was like a couple mm-hmm. weeks or a month ago. It'll I don't know. A couple months ago. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, when I went, I found out. Can you explain I f- who that
1: was? Today? Yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry, Tarana Burke is the founder of the Me Too movement. Um, basically, yeah, like everyone knows about the hashtag, right? Mm-hmm. But like before that, for like ten years, she was working with younger women of color who had gone through sexual assault and this whole movement is kind of about healing from that, that's like the main message of Mm -hmm. her organization and her life's work Um, and basically she came here to speak on campus and I thought like I would say maybe roughly like 90% of the audience were women and how can we get guys to seek out these spaces in which we're talking about sexual assault, healing and just kind of bringing back the message to creating like a healthy norm
4: people should start, you know, reframing the way they see these issues. as Because uh, some, some people just think it's a women's issue. Yeah. And I think, like, that we all need to
2: I think collaborate. it's much more a men's issue than a women's mm-hmm. issue. Right. It's affecting women, but it feels like kind of, like, victim-blaming, sort of, like, yeah. right. it, calling it a women's issue. You know, like, it's... The problem is not mm-hmm. women. Like, the right. problem is men. <laughs> yeah. like, right. yeah. It's definitely an issue with right. men. Right.
0: I mean, I definitely have a specific instance in which we had a filming of the hunt, a screening of The Hunting Ground, which is Uh a movie about sexual assault on college campuses before we, so it was like during senior week, so Uh this is before college. And a group of like 15 guys who were like shady, um, they just, all of them got up and left in the middle of the movie. Wow.
3: Wow. That's crazy. Wow.
0: And they just, wow. like, it was like an act, you know? Uh-huh. It wasn't, like, a casual thing in which they're like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. bored. It was, like, they stood up all at once and they left. Wow. Because, obviously, they had felt this sort of...
1: That's scary. Thing. Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. So how do we how do we stop Cause that, you know?
1: Because it, it's, it's, like, the same, like, male fragility <coughs> that's, like, the white white fragility when talking about race that's, issues or this kind of thing. And that's, like, that's, that's hard because it's, like, when you have... Um, when you're a person to be like oh it's like all these factors are external and have nothing to do with me and that's like your default setting like it's i i don't know it's like that's so much easier to just
4: shut down i think that a lot of people and i've had this these issues with some friends even with like former partners or like just myself just we all have problems conflict in reality we all i think that I don't want to generalize but we all try to like idealize our reality in a way where we're not being Mm -hmm. we're not confronting it face to face and just just like dealing with reality and dealing with with what's going on it's hard for a lot of people because you need to step out of that idealized world of yours that you have in your mind and you have to confront it
2: I feel like that's the most important part of changing this is talking to kids and being like
3: yo this is
2: you gotta start young and be like this is the way this thing should work and if you're not doing this you gotta change it up cause mm-hmm. like once it's ingrained it's hard to unlearn something it's much easier just to teach it right the first time
3: right mm-hmm. and,
1: and I think there is some unlearning that can go on but I think it has to be up to like men who like can share it with their friends and be a little bit more forgiving because part of it it's like almost like alcoholics anonymous or something yeah, like, i understand you have to like admit that you have this problem yes. and sometimes doing that in front of a space like uh i don't i don't know like a brown workshop um yeah. like is a lot harder than yeah in front yes of friends yeah.
2: yeah and it, it shouldn't be on women to try and fix this problem mm, yeah like
4: definitely. yeah
2: why why are we saying if the victim you know like why is the victim the one who has to try and stop what's going on whereas there are all these other people who are who are seeing what's going on and have this power and have this social capital and be like this is fucked up like right you need to stop and if i'm talking to roisworth and i'm like roisworth you need to stop this i'm a man you know like exactly. he thinks i understand we have a common understanding like we both grew up in this like this like masculine culture of like we have this like yeah. common background right. where like if a woman's confronting you, you kind of feel attacked.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to exactly say the, the same thing, the same thing. We got to understand we're incredibly privileged in terms of the way that our words to other men can influence like how they might act in the future tenfold, mm-hmm. and we got to make sure that we are using our powers to be able to be allies to women and to be able to mm-hmm. explain to other men that we got to all come together and fix this issue.
2: Especially, like, people who are, like, a football coach saying that to a bunch of football players is a very different situation than, like, the liberal arts professor saying Mm, it to, like, we need figures who are masculine, considered masculine in culture and, like, a figure of, like, what a man is to, like, step up and be like, yo, stop. You know, like, You can't do this. If you have who you already expected to be saying this to you, saying it to you, it's different than if you have someone who you would never thought, like, why is this one person bringing this up to me? Right. Rather than, like, a woman. It's their issue, so, like, they're going to bring it up to me. But when you see an outsider who's not affected by something, be like, yo, like, this is an issue. You need to stop doing this. I feel like that holds more weight to, like, someone.
1: And when I think about, like, how I changed as I've grown up, And how I've had, like, you know, lots of, like, sexist, like, fucked up behaviors in high school, uh, and probably going into college and probably even now, uh, and, like, the times that I've been able to make the change has been when, like, people, like, my friends will, like, call something out. Like, in in high school, at least my sophomore year, uh, we had this thing that was really screwed up with the guys, where we'd, like, rank the, like... Senior girls and like junior girls and like how hot they were and it was like an online thing and it took someone to like comment on there being like hey like I'm really not comfortable with this Mm -hmm. like someone who's our peer and that was the first like I probably I knew it was bad deep down Mm -hmm. but it was like that being like wow I'm like really ashamed of this and I think it's like that's just happening over and over again the same thing happened you can change wait same thing happened happened at our school same (laughs) thing happened
2: in in my school exact same thing but like it was a few years before i got there and like i think like three dudes got expelled
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no it's a big it's a big deal and it's like when you don't have role models in the school it's like i'm not gonna defend defend it at all like it, i don't know like maybe i should have gotten ex- expelled or maybe people should have but it's like when when like all you learn about is through like tv conversation with guys porn like mm-hmm. whatever i or now it's all, it's like growing up kind of thing.
2: Yeah. It's like easy to justify mm-hmm. if that's what you're basing your view of reality mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, anything else, you guys?
2: Stop treating women badly! <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice um, mm-hmm. if we're done then just wanted to thank say thank you guys i appreciate it be really really
3: cool. yeah, having us. Thank you. yeah. Thank because you. this is really, like really the stuff really, that really we cool. need to be taking mm-hmm. in order to ensure that stuff like this don't happen so, it's yeah. good for us too exactly. it's good yeah. for us to be sitting yeah. down it's
0: just talking. talking about this yes. i hope it was nice chatting you know mm-hmm. yeah just like feel free to like grab a bagel or something <laughs> so, um cool. yeah thank you yeah, thank appreciate you so it.
1: much for putting this together
0: This episode is brought to you by the WBRU News Team in Providence, Rhode Island. Special shout out to Ellie Morimoto, Elise Hart Kipnis, John Klein, and Chris Bannon for their help. Also, big thanks to Credo Duarte and Alex Stewart for scoring our intro music, and Yashi Wang for our swanky graphics. The mission of Unearthed is to have people talk to one another, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave us your comments on iTunes, or DM us on Instagram, or email us. Thank you for listening.